0: we are back in Ecclesiastes we are now in chapter nine um, it only took only took five weeks to get through chapter eight um, and believe it or not we may get through chapter nine today I know I, I know Porter's just going to laugh I'm like yeah uh-huh sure um, so last week we talked about how evil is frustrating and a bit, a bit about how invasive it is and um, and even though we see evil all around us and increasing in its boldness, we are still uh, we are able to rest in Christ. However, rest doesn't mean doing nothing. We should all be praying about how God would have us be standing against evil in our world and engaging our culture. With that, let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for um, Palm Sunday. We thank you for the opportunity that we're going to get in a little bit to hear from uh, some different folks, their testimonies of, of your faithfulness, and uh, Lord, we, we're just um, blessed as we think about this time of year when we celebrate your death and resurrection and all that you mean to us. Uh, we are overwhelmed by your goodness to us. We ask that as we um, come to your word this morning that you would open it, that you would be the one to open our eyes to see what is here, and uh, you be glorified by all that takes place here. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Whoops. There we go. That's where we are. So that's the, that's where we are. That's what I'm thinking we're going to accomplish. We'll see. So um, let's, uh, if you're open to chapter 9, uh, I'm just going to read the first verse for now. For I have taken all this to my heart and explain it that righteous men, wise men, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. So it feels like this is probably a continuation of the thought from the end of chapter 8, which was basically that mankind cannot understand anything about God that he has not revealed about himself. Man cannot understand why God does the things he does. So I think that's kind of kind of what he's getting at here, Um, although here he's saying we can't understand God and his motives, but we also um, don't and won't understand, at least on earth, why God allows the outcomes he allows. We don't understand why he does the things he does, Um, and those are the things that we tend to classify into categories like good and bad. You know, God, why did you allow this bad thing to happen? Why did you allow this good thing to happen? Those are the ways we identify those things, and, and but we don't understand why God does the things he does, because he's God. So then Solomon seems to go off on that theme. God allows outcomes that we don't understand, and then he launches into uh, how it doesn't seem right that the wicked and the good should have the same fate. So then that's, chap- that's verse 2 and 3. It says, Sorry, I thought I heard somebody say Jeff. It was probably just the echo in my head. Um, (laughs) Verse 2 and 3. It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men actually I think. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. Um, yeah, I did actually read it a little further than I intended to, but that's all right. Uh, so everyone shares the same end. Doesn't matter if you're good or bad, righteous, wicked. Uh, clean or unclean. If you offer sacrifices, if you don't, you're a good you're a good man or a sinner. If you swear, if you avoid swearing, everyone dies. And I think when he talks about swearing, it's probably more, yeah, an oath. Thank you. Um, than what we tend to say, swearing as in cursing. I don't think that's really what he's talking about. I think it's that just talking about one who gives oaths and one who doesn't isn't willing to do that. Um. And so I I think, kind of like last week when we were talking about it, I think Solomon is a little frustrated um, with how the world works. He's frustrated. This isn't how it should be, kind of feels like what he's getting at. And he calls it evil. What is he really asking? Is he he asking why the the wicked don't get to live longer? (laughs) Probably not right? Um, So if he's not asking that, then what is he asking? Yeah, and and why do the righteous die early, and and all those, you know, it's just, it seems frustrating. It seems, he's like, well, I don't get it. Um, Do we sometimes share his frustration? Why do the, the wicked seem to prosper? Why do good people sometimes seem to suffer and die early in any number of different things? Do we ever, ha- do we ever ask those questions? Do we also wonder why bad people live longer lives? Why ra- more righteous ones die early? What's the answer? <laughs> Right. And I think think the book of Job answers that question, and I think Job has the same frustration. Right. And uh, I think the answer in the book of Job is that if if everything were based on retribution, then man would very quickly begin to attribute their success to themselves, and they would forget God. Well. Yeah, and I think I think one of the points of Job as well is that, and, and really when we look at the Bible and we see, you know, because really when you look at it, things aren't fair. But again, it's not fair primarily toward God. None of us deserve to be sitting here. None of us deserve to be breathing. We are all sinners. The price of sin is death. We shouldn't even be here. So... Anything, any opportunity we get, and certainly any opportunity we get to know Christ, is, that's all gravy. It's all benefit that we don't deserve. Um, So why do some people live longer than others? Why is it not fair? Because none of it's fair. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and we should remember whenever we see the, the wicked prospering, it, it may be prospering, but it's short-term, you know. Um, this is this is as good as it gets, you know. If, if, if their destiny, if they don't turn to Christ, this is all they've got. Um, uh, that second half of verse 3 says, "...furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts." Throughout their lives, afterwards they go to the dead. So it seems to me, I don't know if you've heard that country song, but it sounds like Solomon's confirming God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. (laughs) Or something like that. Maybe not the beer part. I'm not a big beer guy, so I'm not. But God is great, and for the most part, yeah, people are crazy. Um, And Solomon seems to be lumping everyone together here, doesn't he? He he doesn't say. He says the hearts of the sons of men, not sinful men or whatever. Um, women might be able to try to take him out, but but at least the sons of men um, are full of evil and insanity. Do you agree? Sure. Well, there is an awful lot of, yeah. As we talked about early on, there's an awful lot of talking about, and, and it's in this uh, in this passage as well. Under the sun, under the sun is not heavenly. This it's not, you know, the eternal. It, it, he's he is talking about earthly, earthly things. And so as he's talking about earthly things, we we talk about how do we take those earthly realities and you know, where is Christ in those earthly realities? Um, And so that's kind of, you know, um, I ask again, do you agree? Does it seem like there's an awful lot of insanity in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I believe sin, especially to a believer, is insanity. Sin is insanity. We... We've been given the gift of not having to sin. The world has no choice. The world has not been taken out of that. So for us to continue to sin is really dumb. You know, um, it's that whole idea of you know insanity being, and this is not a clinical definition, I know, but you know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You know, that's that's kind of the same thing. We keep going. Well, you know. I sinned last week, and it didn't work out real well, but I'm going to sin again this week and it's you know, see if things get better. You know. but, but the reality is, walking in Christ is where we find peace and joy and those things. And, and so we, we do those things sometimes, and then sometimes we don't, and we, you know, we kind of go back and forth, and we look insane, I think. All right, um, moving right along, uh, verses 4 through 6. In the NAS, it starts with four, um, which really confused me, and I went and looked at several other versions, and they had but, which makes more sense to me. So I'm going to say, but whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely a living dog is better than a dead lion. The living know that they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward, for their memory is forgotten." Indeed, their love, their hate, and their zeal have already perished, and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. So again, that under the sun comes in. Solomon argues that it is better to be alive than dead. So even as mighty and as impressive as a lion is, um, it's not very impressive if it's dead. And while a dog is not all that impressive, and in fact, in this day and age was despised, um, they weren't your cuddly, you know, companion so much. If it's alive, it's better than a dead lion. Um, As believers in Christ, and again, he's talking about, we, we said, it's talking about under the sun. As believers in Christ, do we agree wholeheartedly with him? Is it better to be alive than dead? Yeah. It seems like he's talking about mortal. So, so yeah. The, the, so where it says, um, the, in the CSB, it says, but there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living. And the note that I have is the Hebrew tradition for the word that's translated joined is chosen. Okay. Yeah, my only I, I don't I disagree. Um, and I think, you know, again, he's talking about under the sun, I think that really talks about on the earth. Um, but couldn't it still be on the earth talking about the difference between those people who know God on the earth mm-hmm. They have a great life here, Right. But they're truly dead. Right. You know? Yeah. I I, know. I, yeah, I don't know either. I, I see your point. Um, it's possible. Um, you know, as certain as we are about our eternal destiny and hope, for most of, it, for most of us at least, there is an uncertainty about what happens when we th- cross that threshold. We have hope. We have an amazing hope. But, you know, if you said right now you're, you're about to cross that threshold, I've never th- crossed that threshold before. None of us have, and I haven't talked to anybody who has, you know, so, so other than hearing from Christ, you know. Um, so there is that, there is that trepid- trepidation to some degree. Um, let me ask this. What opportunities do you have after you die? Right, and I think, I think it's a contrast between, it, it, and I'm not sure what his epistemology was, what his afterlife, um, he's going to talk about Sheol, and, you know, that was kind of an Old Testament understanding of where people go when they die, um, but it, you know, I, I can't really, and I've never read anybody saying, here's Solomon's, you know, epistemology, because it. It doesn't seem to square real well with, with New Testament, but then we wouldn't expect it to. Um, so, you know, what opportunities do you have after you die? Can you still receive Jesus as your Savior? Can you still choose to do good or bad? Can you still choose to deny Him or accept Him? You can't take a stand for Him, Right? To me, this life as a believer is the only opportunity I will have to choose Christ. To demonstrate that I desire to be His, for my actions to show that I love Him. It's not that I won't have that in the afterlife. It's just that I won't have a choice to not choose Him, which is a wonderful blessing. But at the same time, it's kind of like I was thinking about it. You know, if, if I go somewhere and somebody's got all these flowers and they're like, here, take these flowers home to Heather. Like, okay, I take these flowers home and I give them to Heather. And she's like, oh, those are pretty, you know, that was really sweet of you. Well, they, you know, somebody gave them to me. So, you know, versus if I go, it, I want to do something special for Heather. I'm going to go buy her flowers and bring her flowers. And she's like, wow, that was really sweet. Yeah, I just was thinking of you. There's a difference between going out and making an intentional effort versus, here, take them, you know. Um, it's still a nice thing that I did. I'm still going to enjoy Christ, but I don't have a choice. When I have a sin nature and I can choose not to, not to show him my love for him, then it, there's more significance. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, let's keep going. So, verses seven through nine. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman who you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Live. Live, live your life. Enjoy what God gives you. It doesn't mean it hoard it all for yourself. Doesn't mean spend it all on yourself, but enjoy life. Don't feel bad about using what God has blessed you with. How can he say that God has already approved, your work, approved our works? How does he know that? Exactly. I think that's I think it goes back to what I was saying before. We're we're breathing. We're alive. So God is um, life he's given us life, he's given us opportunity. God is giving us opportunities with every breath. So yes, God God approves of the fact that we're here, you know, cuz he could take us out any time and he would be totally justified to do th- do so. Why do you think Solomon tells us to wear white clothes and have oil and more likely perfume on our heads? Dress up for church. Okay, dress up for church. What about not just dressing up for church? What about using the good china just because, just because? We wait for a lot of special occasions We say, I'm going to, you know, we're going to do this something, this one thing once a year because it's a special occasion. There's nothing wrong with that. But what about making more special occasions? What about treating every day like it's a special occasion? Can we change our thinking some? Um, Celebrate simply because God has given you life. Do you have trouble remembering? Enjoy what God has given? Your wife, your husband, your kids, other family, the space God has provided for you, your pets, your plants, your whatever. Do we have have trouble remembering that those are all blessings? We get caught up in what's going on in the world. We get worried and we get frustrated and we get all these things and we forget God has given us so much. I remember when we were living at the camp up in Colorado. There was a lady, um, and I can't remember what it was she was talking about, you know, wanting to spend money on this thing but not wanting to spend the money. And and I I finally was just like, what are you saving it for? And she looked at me like, well, I don't know, you know. It doesn't mean that we just go crazy with, you know, and, and do dumb stuff, but at the same time, you know, hoarding it, trying to save it, hanging on to it, you know, to what end? What what's what's the purpose? You know, God has given us what He's given us, so that we can use it. Um, and it's not again, it's not all about just making me feel good, but you know, hoarding it is not is not a blessing. Not, I don't think that blesses God either. I don't think that honors Him. Um, everyone is going to die, unless Jesus. Long as he waits, whatever, everyone's going to die. But will you actually live until then? Will you actually do that? Don't get me started on lockdowns and mask mandates. I think that the, the world is trying to keep us from living. I think Satan is using these things to say, yeah. don't live, don't enjoy life, fear. 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 Live in fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, I won't get us started on that. But Satan is the ultimate killjoy. It's interesting how people say, you know, God is just this cosmic killjoy. No, he's not. He knows how we're made. He's the one who gives us true joy. It's Satan who twists everything, makes you think that this is going to bring you happiness and, and all these things, and you find out there's no happiness in it. When I, was a, when I was a little kid, I still remember this from Sunday school. So if you're teaching Sunday school, just repeat things enough and kids will catch it. I remember there was a Sunday school teacher and, and he would talk about, he, he took on this group of boys that we like ran off three or four school, Sunday school teachers because we were just nasty kids, you know. And he came in and was like, no, nope, not taking any of that. So anyway, um, but he, he, I remember his illustration was what Satan gives you is a cupcake, but it's, on the inside, it's filled with poison, you know. So it, it looks good. You think it's going to be good until you, you bite into it, you know. So anyway, that's a, that's a tribute to Mr. Horning right there. All right, so verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. So we could get into a big long discussion about what sheol is and the differences and we're not going to do that. So, there we go. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're not going down that path. Can't we just simply say it's the afterlife? It is the afterlife and and um yeah, it, I don't I don't think Yeah. I don't believe it applies to Christians, because when you think about what Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I think the emphasis is that we should be taking advantage of the time we have on earth. What are we doing with the time we have on earth? The other night, we watched the, um, the movie about Ben Carson, um, the doctor. Yeah, Gifted Hands. Powerful movie. Um, but just reminded of using the time you have to do whatever it is God has gifted you to do, directing you to do. Um, Whatever you're doing, do it well. Do it fully. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, be there. Be there fully. You know, don't be distracted. Put away your electronic device. We've been getting on our kids the last few days and, and getting on me and, you know, about... These are stupid, worthless, time-wasting things, and they don't help us to be with each other. Live in the moment. Don't wait for whatever it is you think you're waiting for. Uh, Verse 11. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise nor wealth to to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtake them all. What do you think Solomon is describing here? I think it goes back up to what we were talking about before. Do, do things always work out the way it seems like they should? No. Does the underdog ever win? Sure. Uh, does it always work out for the one who has worked and schemed and spent all this time and effort and money and um, say life savings preparing for some endeavor or gain? Not always. Sometimes they get beaten by someone who just showed up with no prior experience or planning. Is that frustrating? Can be. I, this reminds me of James chapter 4. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. Such boasting is evil. We often think that we just need smarts and a little luck and we can strike it rich. Do we ever forget who causes the increase? Have you ever noticed that sometimes you work and work and work and you and you see, uh, okay, this month we've got we've got this much coming in, and finally we'll be able to put some away, or we'll be able to do that thing we want to do, and uh, you get to the end of the month, and it's like, where did it all go? There were more bills here than there normally are, you know, and then uh, conversely. There's times when you go, there's no way we're going to be able to cover everything this month. You get to the end of the month, it's all all covered. We've even still got a few bucks left in the bank. how, How does that happen? God does that. And why does he do that? He's fo- He's sovereign. What does He care about? What about us? Our hearts. Doing His work. Fulfilling His purpose. Yeah, He He cares about making us more like Christ. Whatever that takes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So does it make sense to me? <laughs> Rarely, you yeah. know? And that's why we tend to say, well, that's a bad thing that happened or that's a good thing that happened because we don't understand what God's doing. God's plans and ideas are so far beyond me. It is about trust, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. mm Mhm. And if, if 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 what we just said is true, do we have any good excuse for worrying? we still do it because we do other things as well even though we know it's stupid even though we know it's insanity but, but I also think that were in right yeah, how do you point people to Jesus when everybody around you it's, everybody is, yeah, there. yeah and that's what Yeah, and so we come together as a body of believers to be encouraged to remember and to to be talking about how do we affect this world? You know it's not we don't come together to save each other. Sometimes we need to preach the gospel to each other to be reminded of what is true, but we don't come together to save each other. Um, so I think the reason things don't always work out as neatly as it seems they should is God. Yeah. Uh, verse 12, Moreover, man does not know his time. Like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare... So the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. What's he saying? What's that? Yeah. 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 You don't know what's coming or when your end will be. So take advantage of each day. Carpe diem, seize the day. Each day is a gift from the Lord. Each breath is a gift. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So we have to ask, what are we doing with the gifts he gives? As we were, I was listening, um, making breakfast this morning, was listening to Third Day, and the last song, uh, one of the lyrics was, um, I won't worry about tomorrow because, shoot, I had it. I didn't write it down, so then I'm like, I'm lost. It'll come to me in a minute. Or it won't. Heather's looking it up for me. I can see it. Yeah. I won't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, because it, it brings me one more day closer to you. So I won't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow brings me one day closer to Christ. So what's there to worry about? What is in the future? Christ is in the future. He's with me now. He's in the future. Why do I need to worry about what what happens in the future? Uh, Verse 13 through 18. I'll finish this up. Also, this I came to see as wisdom under the sun, and it it impressed me. There was a small city with few men in it, and a great king came to it, uh, surrounded it, and constructed large siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not, are not heeded. The words of the wise, heard in quietness, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So Solomon said this impressed him. I suspect he may have meant more that it made an impression on him. Um, and it is worth noting that he's speaking of wisdom under the sun. I think he's talking about what we what he has observed on earth. He's not. I don't think he's talking about heavenly wisdom. I think he's talking about earthly wisdom. Um, and it's true that wisdom is better than strength. But if people are used to ignoring you, if they don't think you have anything worth saying, then they're just going to continue to ignore you, whether you have uh, wisdom or not. Or Let's put it this way. Do you think we we ever have a tendency to ignore or look down on those who we deem as less in some way? Do we ever tend to um, marginalize, look down, think less of somebody who, in some way, we consider to be less than we are? Let's... Uh, I was in James a fair amount this time. "'My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool.'" Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. It is not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court. Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Why do we tend to look at those with less, with less, as if they are less. As if their opinions are less worth listening to. I think it's arrogance. Yeah, pride. We think if, if I've got more or achieved a higher station, then I must be smarter, and my opinions are more worth being heard than theirs. Must be true, right? Absolutely. Clearly. Clearly. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Pride. How much credit? We already talked about this. How much credit can we take for what we have? None. point. The poor man. Yeah. Yeah. It makes the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there people who have worked? Just as hard as you have, but who have less? And who have even worked harder? Sure. Are there others who have worked just as hard, or perhaps even less than you, and yet they have much more? How do you feel about them looking down on you? Yeah, it's not good. Wisdom is better than shouting and arguing and better than weapons. But we need to be wise enough to know who to listen to. At uh, that last last phrase, kind of at the end of verse 18, but one sinner destroys much good. We need to not be the one sinner who ignores the wisdom offered, perhaps by the lowest person in the room, and even perhaps be ready to stand and go, wait a second, we need to listen to this guy. What he's saying makes sense. What she's saying makes sense. Uh, Let's not ignore this. So, here's my wrap-up. Are you taking time to enjoy the life that God has given? Are you missing the things God has for you because you have, have your head down, trudging along in a rut like a pack animal? Are you too busy chasing after the blessings to just stop and enjoy the ones God has for you? Are you living for retirement? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Enjoy today what God has already given. Live today, live tomorrow, don't wait for whatever. All right, that's all I've got. We still got a few minutes left if anybody has any thoughts, comments, wanna add anything. Yes, Penny. Right Sometimes you listen to people that shouting is, yeah, it's hard to ignore shouting, whatever, to yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot there, yeah, and it's interesting you you think about uh, if we think about the the way that the um just for lack of a better term, say the other side tends to try to get their point across. Rarely do they have good arguments, so they yell louder. And if, they, if they're losing an argument, they just try to drown people out. And, and it's one of the frustrations that we have in our society today is that, you know, people, and I think it's one of the reasons that, that we're, off, we're typically better one-on-one with people. You know, if you try to influence a crowd and there's all this, you know, uh, you think about some of these uh, different folks who have gone to um, colleges and tried to get their message out and all these college kids come and, you know, shout them down with all, just make a bunch of noise and so you can't can't do anything. There's more benefit oftentimes than just one-on-one. Because it's really hard to shout at somebody when you're just sitting down over a cup of coffee or whatever, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. Um, and, and But, you know, I I think about it, I I can't make a good argument in like, you know, 10 words or less, you know, and actually try to convince someone that Jesus Christ is their avenue to peace and joy and and contentment in life. Um, I need a little more time than that. But if they're just, if I'm trying to convince people and they're just yelling and shouting, then it doesn't work out too well. So um, it is the listening quietly. Oftentimes, it's the better way. Anything else? All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have given us this life, and you are the one who uh, lives it in us. And Father, we uh, acknowledge that oftentimes we, we want to take the reins, we think we know what's best, and uh, we end up worrying and fretting and uh, not enjoying the life you've given us. So we just ask that you would reveal to us uh, as we study your word, as we think about you, um, how it is that we are um, pushing back against you. Uh, let us not be doing that, Lord. Help us to walk with you um, and uh, just enjoy the, the life you've given know that that involves enjoying you and uh, the things you have for us, including sharing your gospel, uh, showing others who you are. Um, So yeah, I pray that you would guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen.